Truth Espresso, episode 194. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, my name is Daniel Minnick and I am the host of Truth Espresso, continuing a series on slander. So welcome all friends, family, foes, and lurkers alike. <laughs> and my wife joins me on this episode, wife and co-host, that is my sweet Chelsea. <laughs> and thank you for uh, co-hosting with me yet again, another episode of Truth Espresso. Thanks for having me, babe. <laughs> <laughs> and so continuing on our slander episodes, if you're just tuning in, this is the third episode in our series on slander. And so to get the most out of this episode, I recommend that you listen to the last two and catch up with that because we covered a lot of ground talking about slander and a lot of verses from scripture. And so there's a lot to miss out. But in this episode, continuing, we're going to actually look at some solutions to slander. So in the last two episodes, we looked at the problem of slander, how it affects both the slander and those who are slandered. So it's very important to understand just how bad slander can be how long the effects last. Slander can be life-destroying. And so, knowing that, it is important to look at solutions to slander. If you find yourself being one who has a habit of slandering, there's solutions to that. But then also, secondarily, as Christians, if we find ourselves living in a world as Jesus promised us, we're going to face persecutions. And so, as we find ourselves in a world of people who know not Christ, who often will slander us, tell lies about us, ascribe motives to us that we know are not true, how should we respond to that? So, what's the solutions to being a subject of slander? And so, first of all, if you're the one doing the slandering, here are some solutions. And the first one, number one, is to think before you speak. And I know this is one that's very hard because we often want to react quickly. We often want to react with words. And when we say things hastily, we can find that they are not the best solution. And the scripture has some good things to say about thinking before you speak. <laughs> the first verse that I see in scripture that's kind of iconic of this is James 1.19, where the apostle James says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
<laughs> and I think that's kind of a good progression there because if you're quick to hear, it's kind of interesting to say swift or quick to hear. You know, <laughs> I I want to quickly do something quick to listen. You know? <laughs> but yeah, that's a pretty good description there. It's telling you two things to be slow about. The first thing that you're quick to do is to hear, and then you're slow to do these actions. So quick to hear, and as a result, you will be slow to speak. And then as a result of that, you will be slow to wrath. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think, you know, if you just take the time, don't speak reflexively to negative things. Just take the time to think before you speak and listen. That can result in you being slow to be wrathful or to cause wrath in a situation. So I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this. Well, you probably have. <laughs> And I'm not sure I was trying to figure out if I could find out who said this, but that God gave us two ears oh, yes. and one mouth. <laughs> so we should be listening twice mm. as much as we speak. And I think that just kind of gives a little more of the illustrative part of this verse where we need to be attentively listening, mm -hmm. not just passively listening. And that helps us understand more of where that person's coming from. And then that gives us that time to incorporate what we should say. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times because we're distracted with so many different things that we tend to passively listen mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, someone's talking and I kind of catch every third or fourth <laughs> word yeah. and then we respond, not really. With three times the words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it's usually something that we misheard or didn't fully mm. hear because we were distracted. Mm. And I just think that that's where this verse is kind of more important nowadays in some ways because we need to limit our distractions and make sure we're listening, focusing, and again, just actively listening to that person talking to us so that we can try and be on that same page and connect and really hear what that person's saying. And I think that helps us in our response. And if you think about it, if you hear someone say, like, I want you to move that chair <laughs> and you only <laughs> hear a few words and it sounds like move that chair. <laughs> then you might respond differently because you didn't hear everything else preceding that, that someone was asking you to move it maybe a little bit nicer. <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. think that's something that tends to be lacking in our culture today. And of course, <laughs> I struggle with that too. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> we like, all struggle with that. Even the Apostle Paul talks about putting himself under subjection. You know, <laughs> it, you know, I die daily. You know, yeah, it's like every day we have to think about because we find ourselves immersed in culture, immersed in relationships, and we have to be vigilant thinking about how do we respond to things. And I like how you pointed out that we have two ears and one mouth, and yeah, and the ears are on the sides of our head. It's like listen to every side, <laughs> on every side, to every side. And <laughs> 
<laughs> and we have two eyes too. So our ears and our eyes are observing parts, our observing senses there. <laughs> so yeah, too. <laughs> we need to be able to see things clearly and listen, hear things clearly before we, you know, speak. <laughs> Another excellent point, too, because when you're actively listening, that actually involves eye contact because that is another way that you can actually connect with that person you're talking with. (laughs) And so many times you see people looking down on their phone, like texting or doing whatever and not actually looking and engaging in conversation or actively listening to the other person. So yes, (laughs) eye contact is also important in that too. Good points there, sweetheart. And yeah, (laughs) engage our observational senses (laughs) more than we should and on the person rather than on other distracting things like a phone. (laughs) (laughs) So back to our Proverbs verses. (laughs) Proverbs is so great. (laughs) (laughs) The book of wisdom. Proverbs 21 verse 23, it says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. (laughs) Just thinking about how we need to, again, just be thoughtful and wise with what we say and what we do. And that can keep you from getting into trouble. It's interesting how often I know growing up (laughs) how I would get into into trouble just from words that I would say. I'm like, huh, if I didn't say that, I would have done better. And yeah, just thinking of our kids too, that often (laughs) it's when they start yelling and fighting and (laughs) that just leads to that negative cycle of being mean and... (laughs) So when we think about what we say and how we say it, then that can keep us from trouble. (laughs) Definitely. So you are like keeping here. It's the idea of guarding, you know, so or like Mm -hmm. a sentry, you know, guarding a tower, stuff like keeping or guarding his mouth and tongue. So, yeah. As I mentioned about using the other senses, well, part of guarding your mouth mm-hmm. can be to focus on observing and listening too. And so it's a good thing to put into practice thinking before you speak here and guarding your mouth and tongue because, yeah, it, it heaps troubles upon your own soul. And I also have a similar verse from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 13.3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. It's <laughs> 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 a similar idea there. You guard your mouth from saying things, and that means you protect your own life. <laughs> but someone who's quick to just blab slanders and stuff you know it's kind of like sewing things out like i'm gathering things that will ultimately come back to destroy me you know mm-hmm. um, and then finally i have proverbs twenty nine eleven: a fool uttereth all his mind <laughs> but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards <laughs> 
It's kind of like he keeps it in until it's ready, until it's fruitful, you know, until it's something worth saying and stuff. So <laughs> a fool, someone who is not knowledgeable, someone who's not wise is someone who's just quick to speak, you know, which would also like in the James verse we mentioned, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So a fool is someone who can quickly end up causing wrath or wrathful situation by just, oh, did you hear this? Did you, you know, gossip, slander, just, did you see what that person did to me? I can't believe it do that. What kind of rat is that? You know, like just quick to name call, quick to slander, quick to lie about someone and... <laughs> I think this verse is kind of funny to think about in some ways because I feel bad for extroverts. <laughs> I think that this oh. is in, I mean, growing up with extroverts in our family and stuff, and some of our kids are extroverts. They just, anything that comes to mind just comes out. <laughs> and it's more of a challenge for them to learn how to slow that down <laughs> and think first before they speak. And, <laughs> I think that women, introverts or extroverts, have a harder time with this as well because that's like a way that women connect is through talking and that relationship and stuff. So I think this is another thing that's more of a challenge for women as well, just making sure that what we do talk about and how we speak are things that are beneficial and truthful and, again, encouraging, building each other up. But yeah, it's just kind of funny to think about some of the things that come out of our kids' mouths because they just say whatever is yeah. on their mind at that time. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely an acquired skill. So that's part of the role of parenting. Of course, parents, you know, we have to work on ourselves too and be as we're models for our kids. And so, yeah. <laughs> being slow to speak slow to wrath is something that's not natural so it's something that we have to work at and have to train our children to work at too so yeah <laughs> it's a learning it's part of the school of life that way <laughs> are you just watching you grab the popcorn plant the family on the couch and flip on the tv but have you left your worldview behind media comes in all forms and all of it contains some level of indoctrination are You Just Watching? The Entertained Christian's Handbook to Consuming Media with Purpose is a guided journal with worldview-shaping info and lots of guided note pages to help you watch and discuss anything you put before your family's eyes. Purchase it now on Amazon.com. And don't just watch. So for our second point, we were looking at making sure our motive is to edify or, again, like that building up of someone, encouraging them. And I think Ephesians 4, um, verse 29 through 32 is just like the perfect section that talks about this and how we can do it. So it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. 
I just love the progression here where it is talking about not letting anything that could be damaging, harmful, hurtful come out and that what comes out of our mouth should be something that's actually helping people to understand God's grace because God showed us his Mm. grace and that's what should be coming out of us. And I think that it's something that we will continue to work on Mm. and have to be vigilant about until we have our (laughs) redeemed body. We don't have our sin flesh nature anymore because it's something that Satan can use easily to tear down, push away other people from coming to Christ is our negative words. You hear a lot of people say, oh, Christians are hypocrites because they say one thing and they do another. Well, that should not be how we're classified from other people. We should be speaking truth. We should be doing what we're saying. Hmm. And I think that is one of Satan's favorite things to turn people away from the gospel is to make them (laughs) not be able to see that we are human and that we do fall. Yeah, definitely good points there. So we are because it's like, you know, we hear about how many people who are not Christians will say, well, I got burned in a church or, you know, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites or, you know, like someone left a church because people slandered them from in the church. And yeah, that demonstrates just how pervasive slander is, how we must fight (laughs) as Christians to avoid doing that kind of thing because it hurts our testimony with the world. We don't want to be hypocrites as we're often accused of being. I like how these points here about the solution to not being a slanderer, they kind of show like, two sides of the same coin or well the first one is kind of how not to do the negative you know Mm. okay don't speak listen first and then the second point is well now what do we replace what we say with you know and i think the ephesians passage you brought up kind of demonstrates that too like Put these away, put the malice and envy and bitter speaking away, and be kind. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying. So kind of think of the idea of like when you're trying to rid yourself of a bad habit or, you know, anything like, say, um, a diet plan or something someone might have like, okay, I need to rid myself of these bad things that I eat. Well, yeah, that's good to rid yourself of it, but then you got to eat something good. You got to replace it with something. You know, how do I get rid of a bad habit? Well, you know, you don't want to be sitting around twiddling your thumbs dealing with, okay, um, I'm shaking because I'm so tempted to do the bad habit. Well, you replace it with something good. <laughs> you know, and that's how the Christian life should be is how do I get rid of something that I do that's bad? Well, first try to get rid of it, but then follow it up with, you know, immediately figuring out how to replace it with something good so get rid of the corrupt communication and replace it with edifying communication (laughs) are you ready for this week's trivia (laughs) (laughs) Um, bring it on (laughs) (laughs) okay so there is a famous or i guess not famous there is a (laughs) 
common practice, and I know that this happened to me as well, but I don't know if this ever happened to you. You'll have to let me know. (laughs) That if you ever said anything that was mean, like cruel or lied, that you would have to wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that when I was a kid. I'm trying to think I might have had that told to me once or so, but mostly I would hear, say, my mom or grandma, like, I can't remember, just say when I was a kid, you know, when they were kids, they were told to do it or maybe even at some point actually literally do it or so, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had to literally do it. <laughs> I think it was just one time, though, because then I was like, oh, that's really gross. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you know where that came from? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Is it from in the 1800s, or is it before then? <laughs> um. So, according it, to Wikipedia, it, come it was... from a soap factory, or... <laughs> <laughs> It was during the 19th to 20th century. Okay. (laughs) And it was most often used to get rid of profanity, lying, biting, or tobacco use, (laughs) or verbal disrespect, (laughs) and used, like, as a way to discipline children. And a lot of times it seemed like there were mostly punishments against women if women were being disrespectful or a couple of incidents that I saw here. Or if a woman was found to be drunk, then they would stick a whole bar of soap in their mouth and try and wash it out. (laughs) Did they do that to the men? The men were allowed to get drunk? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But there was one part in the 1889, so in Good Housekeeping. <laughs> um, Good Housekeeping magazine? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, so a friend of mine was horrified one day by hearing her little boy make use of a very bad word. Turning to the maid, she said, Jane, you may take Master Dick upstairs and wash his mouth out with soap and water. It is too soiled for him to sit at the table with us. (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting. And now the American Pediatric Journal equates washing out a child's mouth with soap as a form of abuse. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's probably not the healthiest thing to wash your mouth out with a base (laughs) if they swallow it and stuff. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting how it has progressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if it's a unpleasant experience, it might be a way to deter, you know, the threat might be a way to deter someone from speaking slanders. But <laughs> if that's not a slanderous way to do so, but. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yes. Well, a little bit of history on washing out the mouth with soap. <laughs> yeah, if that were God's punishment, yeah, maybe that would help me not slander. But <laughs> So now let's go to the second point. So the first one had to do with the idea, uh, the solution to if you are the one slandering, which was think before you speak and let your motive be to edify. But now what if you're the subject or the object of slander and especially as jesus has promised as christians we will be persecuted and 
often that will be by slander. We see that in the epistles where Christians are often accused of wrongdoing falsely, and then we get advice for how to respond to that. One of the solutions for responding to slander is to diffuse it with a pleasant response. And we looked at Proverbs 15.1, emphasizing the second part, but now on this time I want to emphasize the first part. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So, you know, we talked about what does this mean? What are some situations where this would not work? But hey, it doesn't hurt to try. (laughs) And so if someone is slandering you, often an answer given with grace can diffuse the wrath because if you respond if someone's giving you slanderous words which other proverbs talk about it being like a sharp sword and so on and if you come at that with your own verbal sword that can only result in the heat going up that can only result in more worse words and worse animosity but if you respond with a soft answer it just might turn away some of the wrath (laughs) so i was thinking that first corinthians 13 is a great Hmm. passage to think about how we respond to people who have said negative things about us either behind our backs and we hear about it or directly to us And just thinking about how God is the one who speaks love and God speaks truth to us. And a lot of times when people are saying these slanderous words, that again, those are the lies. And so just remembering that, okay, but that's not what God says. And that's not what the Bible says. And just kind of reflecting on that, but also keeping in mind that when someone cares about you or is trying to encourage you or build you up, then it's going to look different than slander and negativity. So in 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to replace the word charity with love just because it gives it a little more of the depth that I think this passage is trying to portray. So starting in verse 4, it says, Love suffereth long and is kind. Charity or love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. (laughs) So love, it can endure the slings and arrows of slander, and it's not quick to think evil or to seek its own benefits, its own pleasures at the expense of others. It doesn't puff itself up, which often slander is used for. (laughs) But I think this passage helps you differentiate between, okay, is what that person is saying, is that true or not? Is it something that I need to take to heart and think about? Or is it something that I just need to kind of let go and... I mean, of course, it's going to affect you, but not respond Hmm. back out of malice or evil. Hmm. Because if you look at that and you say, okay, what they said was not out of love. Hmm. What they said was unkind. What they said was meant for evil. 
then okay those are things that you don't need to listen to that you don't need to let affect you because that's not truth and that's not what god wants you and that's not how god sees you he does not want you to believe that Mm -hmm. Of course, this is a lot easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No way are we saying, oh, flip the switch and make everything good. This is the sanctification process in the Christian life. It's the daily battle. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned all the qualities of love. Love for other people will ultimately respond to things with good. But if you're just like loving yourself, you know, that would be the opposite where then you want to be quick to defend yourself with your words in such a way that you're attacking the others. Romans 12 verses 17 through 21 here, the Apostle Paul says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. <laughs> I think that's kind of what love does in the passage, 1 Corinthians 13 there. But I like this imagery of heaping coals of fire on the head of someone. If you're responding to what your enemy says with kindness and goodness, it's kind of like they end up feeling the pain of what they're doing on themselves. Instead of feeling good about what they did and you feel the pain of it you're like it's in some ways it's kind of like making them feel the pain of it to where it might make them stop in their tracks and change course there so what happens if that is your response Hmm. that you show kindness to that person and the heaping coals Hmm. doesn't do anything and they don't change yeah i think some of these proverbs type of things are words to live by they're not like magic formulas for every situation it's like general principles so you know if an enemy's really intending you know to stop at nothing to destroy you you know then yeah we might not see that you know happen all the time but it's a good general principle there it's probably a good place to start. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's better than slander. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, here's another example of a general principle. It's First Peter 2.12, where he says, Having your conversation or your lifestyle honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So there you have a principle whereby your response to slander against you could result in their salvation. Now, of course, you can't look at that and say, hey, every single person who slanders me, if I do good, they will get saved. But it's saying, hey, this could be the result. This could be your hope. So yeah, heaping coals on someone's head, that's a good general principle. And that's a possible result of rendering good for evil. And another here is in first peter 2 12 about it could result in your enemy glorifying god and getting saved <laughs> 
Castle Rock Women's Health is a pro-women and pro-life clinic and ministry serving women of all ages and backgrounds in the community of Castle Rock, Colorado and the surrounding areas. Castle Rock Women's Health offers well-women care, prenatal care, extended postpartum care, licensed clinical Christian counseling, fertility awareness, hormone therapy, childbirth classes, STI testing and treatment, ultrasounds, and even the abortion pill reversal. Castle Rock Women's Health uses your generosity to offer services at little to no cost for many women in situations where insurance is not available. But Castle Rock Women's Health needs your help. To serve women better in the community, Castle Rock Women's Health is looking to move into a new office. Please consider a charitable donation to help Castle Rock Women's Health offer life-affirming care and reach more women with the love of Jesus Christ by going to givesendgo.com forward slash crwh. That's givesendgo.com forward slash crwh and be a blessing to women in need. For more information about Castle Rock Women's Health, please visit our website at crwomenshealth.com. Thank you so much. So that was the first solution for what happens if you're slandered. And so we have two more quickly. So the second one is to focus on doing the right thing. Paul gives an example in 1 Corinthians 4, 12 through 13. He talks about basically as we're slandered, as people are kind of attacking us, here's what we're doing. He says, and labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. So he's kind of talking about right now, we are experiencing the idea, the kind of slandering that we appear to be to the Gentiles, to the pagans as the scum of the earth, but we just continue on doing good labor with our hands, just continuing to praise God and be good to people, even though this is our current state in the eyes of people. We just continue to do it, hoping to reap the harvest at the end. And so don't be discouraged when we don't see the fruit of our good response to slander. You know, we just keep doing what we know is right. That was one thing I thought was interesting just doing some of this study here on slander is that when people are in just that pattern of being slanderous, being negative, that they don't have any hope. Hmm. And yeah. I think that... And that's why they slander. Yeah. <laughs> that's the hope that they have. <laughs> well, and I like this verse, just <laughs> keeping going with what you're doing. It's like you keep going because you have that hope. You know that in the end, God is victorious and our salvation is eternal and God is going to pour out his wrath and that that's something that we don't have to worry about or be burdened with, that we can just trust Mm. God and just keep going. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. Again, that's like just kind of the broad picture Mm, of it. And it's 
not an easy thing to do, but Hmm. I think that that's what Christianity and just our knowledge of Jesus Christ in our lives, it just gives us a hope that Hmm. other people and other religions, they don't have that. And I think that that's where it differentiates Hmm. true Christianity to the other religions and when other people are blasphemed or slandered that they tend to return the vengeance for vengeance because Mm. they don't have that hope that God is going to be the ultimate avenger. Yes, definitely sweetheart when people of other religions or atheism or such where the goal is to be successful in this life somehow then slander just might be a tool to achieve that end. But when you're a Christian and you realize that our rewards in heaven, our rewards are, you know, where moth and rust don't corrupt, our reward is at the other side of this life, the return of Christ and so on, that we can endure all things. We can endure slander for the rest of our life, doing what's right and knowing that, you know, a reward is not just to try to get on top or get ahead in this life. (laughs) And you mentioned trusting God, because that's my third point here. The third solution for being slandered is to trust God and be patient with the results. <laughs> I got some quick verses here. So Proverbs 20, verse 22, it says, Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and he shall save thee. So mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like what Paul says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So trust in the Lord and he will save you. Don't be quick to return evil for evil. And then Psalm 109 verses 2 through 4 says, For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. For my love, they are my adversaries, but I give myself unto prayer. (laughs) So there's the patient, trusting God, praying to God, being patient through all the slanders. And uh, without a cause there, they fight against you, but give yourself to prayer. Just pray to God for deliverance. Pray to God for faith um, through this. And yeah, wait on the Lord. He will save you. So that's one of the Christian's solutions to being slandered is to be patient, knowing that the results are eternal and to trust God with that. So next week, we're going to talk more about specific ways that we tear down each other and more specific ways of how we can build each other up and like practical ways of how we do that and looking at God's word and seeing how we can implement that um, either with our friends or family or children and our spouse and just learning how to live a life that is being loving and kind and encouraging to one another. Definitely look forward to that. So practical tips on how to live slander less um, or less slander and stuff (laughs) in your immediate common, your daily relationships, friends and family. So look forward to that. And so stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso the next week, the next one in this series. And God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. 
Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.